To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Long time no chat. Uh, it's gone there for a little bit down in the desert and been busy here racing around since I've been back. Um, but we released a couple good podcasts to you guys. Uh, I did one with Russ Carone and then did one with Sam Davis. Both of those guys just killed it on the podcast. So I was psyched to release those two, uh, but I made it back, back in my office today, going to release another great episode to you guys. So today I have back on Steve Drake. Uh, Steve Drake has built a reputation for being one of the best photographers in the business. Um, the guy is super knowledgeable, super talented, super driven, um, just just a great person to have on the podcast. And as talented as he is behind the camera, he's just as talented of a hunter. Uh, the guy is really knowledgeable, intelligent, has a great approach to it. So, so we dive into all those subjects today. We dive into photography. Uh, we dive into some of his extreme adventures. The guy's been all over the world uh, photographing and and uh, going on these gnarly adventures, hunting for himself. And so we talk about that, and then uh, we also talk about some of his personal hunting. Um, so it's just a great conversation, great back and forth. I really enjoyed it. I know you guys will enjoy it too. Sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Sig Sauer Optics. Uh, Sig Sauer is building great next level optics. I am so impressed with this new spotting scope, the Oscar 8. I actually get to give one of these away coming up here in the next couple episodes, but um, they're really contending with the big boys. The The glass, it's so sharp. Um, you know, I, I took this scope on, on multiple hunts this year, but you know, like in Wyoming, glassing miles and miles for these mule deer. There wasn't one buck that we spotted that I couldn't identify with that scope. Uh, it's it's a bigger scope, so it's 27 by 55 power, and then it's got an 80 objective, uh, 80 mil objective lens on the front, so it really gathers a lot of light. But uh, they're really working hard on their optics. Uh, their their binos are great. They're really crisp and clean. Uh, now they have their range finding binoculars. I really like those. Uh, range finders are the best in the business. They do angle compensating. They give you um, they they give you the same readouts whether you're shooting at a light or dark target. Uh, it's quick. It'll shoot through brush with last target priority mode. It just does so much. And then if you guys are in the 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 market for a new rifle scope, check out their BDX system. So their BDX system will link you to your phone to the scope. Uh, so you know the exact holdover, um, you know the wind, it'll it'll calculate all of that stuff for you. So it's a, a really cool system, that BDX system, so make sure to check that out. And if you guys are in the market for any new optics, make sure to look through a pair of SIGs. They, they really are doing a stand-up job. I sure am impressed with their optics. I want to thank our other sponsor for the show, Taito Knives. Taito Knives makes ultra-lightweight, uh, uh, sharp, replaceable blade knives. Um, man, I mean, these things have just been a game changer for me. I can bring one Taito knife and then bring a few blades and I can butcher an entire elk. I mean, that's quarters off, quarters boned, uh, back straps, tenderloins. 
and, and then some of the cuts, the the rib meat, neck meat, things of that nature. I even take the head off with that um, razor sharp knife. I think it's safer as you just don't have to force your knife. You just let it do the cutting. But I do all my skinning, quartering, boning, head off, everything with a Taito knife. It's just an absolute game changer for me. And they're so lightweight in your bag. Uh, it's just a great product, and if you don't like the replaceable blade knives, um, you know some guys will break knives if they try to force it one way or another. They do have a solid blade knife with a great edge on it. So if you're in the market for a new knife, make sure to check out Taito. They're a great company that make great products. And with that, um, see, yeah, been down in the desert. Gosh, has that been fun? We're getting ready for the Sportsman's Expo. Um, I'm going to go to that, try to record some good podcasts, so I've been working to line those up, and um, yeah, we just got some great next-level hunting information coming your way. I'm just really excited about some of the podcasts I I have recorded and some of the ones I have lined up, so um, just some great content in store for you guys. Uh, As always, make sure to check out our internet TV show, Beyond the Grid. Uh, Dan Picard does a great job with that, Uh, and and we're constantly releasing new videos every month, so be on the lookout for the new ones on that. Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel, I told you guys about that. I had a couple episodes come out that I'm really proud of. Uh, One's a a full episode. uh, It's the Elk Hunt from this season, 2019. And then I also have uh, Antelope, which I share the episode with Brandon Mason, uh, Archery Hunting Antelope, all self-filmed. So that one was a pretty cool one, too. I thought I told a good story in it. So be on the lookout for those. Um, we're in full swing right now with the Eastman's magazines. I just turned in an article today, a Spring Bear article that I'm psyched that'll come out. Um, see, I turn it in, and then I think it comes. it's in the next bow hunting. Uh, journal, which I think is like two months out, maybe a month out now from when I turn it in, but that'll be coming up. Um, we work really hard on this magazine to to bring you the very best Western hunting content. I'm always so impressed with all our subscriber stories, how well they do. I just read, read uh, Tony Treach. He was in there for that big New Mexico buck that he harvested. Uh, I just love reading the story and how it goes down. You see Tony with so much success out there and you know, to read his story at a couple failed attempts on this buck, and he's just uh, he he's so diligent and and keeps after it, gets another stock, and then closes the deal on that buck. It's so cool to read. And then, um, gosh, I love you know our pro staff writers, uh, Dan Carr. Uh, we've had Aaron Snyder writing a bunch in there lately. Um, I usually have an article that goes in the Bow Hunting Journal or at least every other issue and so um, we just pour our heart and soul into these to to really bring you guys the best hunting content and right now we are in full swing uh, of the MRS and the MRS is the members research section and it just gives you all this current up-to-date information on each state uh, the units the the weapons uh, success rates there's so many statistics to go over that you can really learn these other states and take advantage of their opportunities that they offer for us average blue collar guys if we're willing to put in the work uh, so that's in the MRS you have to be a member to receive that in the Eastman's magazine and uh, I'm trying to get a new promo code to hook you guys up for the um, uh, for the subscriptions form so I'll have that shortly. Um, 
I think that promo code elevated 319 if you punch that in I think you can still get both magazines for an entire year for 29.99 and uh, I'll make sure to get a new promo and uh, give some good stuff to you guys for uh, picking up those subscriptions but I really appreciate the support uh, like I say I think it's the best magazine out there and with that let's see yeah get these podcasts out today I'm trying to get caught up here and get my run in and um, shoot that bow and check everything off my list. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm pumped for this off season to put in the work and prove my skill set. I'm trying to figure out which tags to apply for now, which is always such a fun time of the year. Um, putting, putting my name on the hat and seeing if I can get drawn on one of these um, good quality tags. So already applied for Wyoming elk. Uh, the Arizona elk deadline is coming up. So I think I've got my units pretty well pinned down for that one. Uh, I just got to give them that credit card information and sign on the dotted line, but, uh, hopefully they draw my name for one of those things. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a fun time of year. I want to thank you guys for all the support. Man, I read the reviews on iTunes. So many positive reviews by you guys. Thanks so much. That's so kind. And then, um, yeah, just all the support for the podcast, man. We're um, it's really doing well, and I'm I'm just so proud and so humble that we were able to create and build this thing, and um, just want to continue to bring you guys the best content I can. So let's get this thing rolling. Uh, so this is uh, Steve Drake. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated, and here we go. Okay, I'm live here. I've got uh, Steve Drake, made the run down to the Madisons today. And uh, we definitely got my puppy around here saying hi to everybody, Gunnison. But uh, thanks for making the run down, Steve. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, uh, I love these these live podcasts. And yeah, for you to, to drive down here today and then sit down to record this is great. Um, ben, you've been busy. So busy. I uh, kind of have my hard time wrapping my head around it, but basically since... May of this past year, I've been pretty much on the road or visiting foreign places and shooting photos and hunting, so it's been pretty wild. Yeah, it has been. But I'm home for like two months now, so that's exciting. Okay, good deal. <laughs> I think I'm going to... Hey, come here. You can lay it down, bud. Toughest dog to do a podcast with. <laughs> but what are we going to have to do with you? Um, but yeah, man, it's been amazing to follow along. Um, you've, you've just built in your personal brand to be one of the best photographers in the business, you know, which has been crazy to watch. I've like, I've seen it, um, and been friends with you and mutual contacts for the last 10 or 15 years. And it's been really fun to watch you build that and build it just through the lens and through your skill and through your love of the game. Yeah. Thanks, man. No, it's for me, it's totally been just a lifestyle. I just like grew up hunting, grew up in Montana, skiing a bunch, just like love the outdoor lifestyle and um, early on picked up a camera and I didn't necessarily intend to like turn into a hunting photographer by any means, but that's exactly the route that I went um, down and it's been pretty awesome. I've been doing it really for the last 10 years. So, Man, and you have gone all over the world I've seen, uh, yeah. just some amazing places. I'm sure you've seen some amazing um country and when i travel that's what i like to see like i like to see the culture in the towns but i love to see those remote mountains that all these different places have and you've been to a lot of different ones yeah totally it's uh, uh i was in mongolia last year spent like a like a month in australia and new zealand um, this past summer been to azerbaijan um kind of been all over the place and it's 
Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, one of the bigger things that I've noticed uh, in my in my trip to Mongolia, it, it actually looks just like Montana. Like for being on the opposite side of the world, I was shocked at how like similar it looked to home. Um, but there's no fences anywhere. Like nobody uses fences over there to control their cattle or livestock or anything. And so, and then there's just like roads going anywhere you want. And uh, um, yeah, but uh, Mongolia for me was like going back. Well, not that I would know, but it, it felt like going back to like medieval times. Wow. And that's how, you know, remote and kind of third world it was. It was, it was pretty cool though. Um, is that in that Gobi Desert? Is that where you're talking about? Where yep. there's Okay. And so there's just roads cutting through. There's no roads built. They're just right. where everybody drives. Yeah. And so you got to keep track of two tracks. Like a lot of the adventure it is um, figuring out the culture, making sure you don't get yourself in trouble totally. or <laughs> rig breakdown that goes into it. And then the logistics yeah. are multiplied. Like in the States, if you don't have something, you can go buy it or go to a sporting goods store. Totally. But oh, yeah. Abba's, you have to be Abba's, very self-reliant on big <laughs> trips like that. It's, yes. It's, it's pretty uh, – that's probably the craziest part about some of these international hunts is like – like hunting is hunting, and if you're a really good hunter here, you're probably a really good hunter anywhere. But it's like figuring out like just – how to even function or like do simple things in some of these foreign places because what's kosher in the states is like not necessarily anywhere else so it's been uh that aspect has been um like the the police and the cops are pretty corrupt and so we would randomly just get pulled over and fortunately we, we had a, a driver that was he, he spoke mongolian and uh um, multiple times he would just have to slip the police officer like a hundred dollar bill <laughs> and we're just like what and then the police he would literally pocket it and he was just like pulling random people over pocketing money oh crazy and so you know just to like see that i was just like how the heck is that even possible but it's we're in a very remote foreign place so like corruption um, runs deep totally That's spooky, yeah. isn't it especially Super. when you're not used to it like your outfitter yeah. was used to it and had hundred dollar bills yeah he knew what was going on but if it was just us driving ourselves around if we didn't have these kind of local connections to like help us out like holy smokes so <laughs> man that is wild yeah you talk english and everything's for people and so you know it, it's fairly easy to get around you got to drive on the wrong side of the road which you constantly have to think about right, you yeah. know you just like you're you're constantly stay right stay right stay right yeah but um down there the funny thing is is we needed to get like a, a soft-sided cooler so those guys could bring some meat home okay and um you go out, try to ask what a cooler is in new zealand and they don't know it's a chili bin in new oh, zealand chili bin. yeah chili bin <laughs> and so a soft-sided chili bin like nobody knows what you're talking about but they just don't get the same shipments as we do here yeah. the same so even trying to find a cooler in in new zealand and i remember <laughs> we found like um you remember the the old style, like not a Yeti or one of the good coolers, but the old style, like igloo, yeah. big blue or red coolers. I remember seeing one of those, and they were for sale for like $350. <laughs> and it's like you could go down to Costco and buy it for $33 yeah. here, you know. So, yeah, just that those little things and those logistics, I'm sure, are um, pretty difficult. And then I've, I've seen you do some really challenging hunts, like a – Gosh, I really love following along like on that mountain goat, that winter mountain goat hunt with the whites. And then you just had an alpha team on that one. Man, yeah. that you guys were sure pushing the limits of what humans can do and hunt for those mountain goats. <laughs> that was pretty wild to see. Totally. Yeah, that, that was to this day one of probably the, the hardest, wildest hunt that I've ever been a part of. And it's just a, a British Columbia winter mountain goat hunt. We've been doing it like last three years now, but we go up in February. And um, the last two years, the spot where we, we've gone, we... We basically 
charter a boat across this huge bay and then there's no dock on the other side where, where he's going to drop us off so we have to throw waders on like jump out of the boat in like waste you know like hip deep water and then like wade to shore with all of our gear and then um i bring skis every year so i like 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 uh, touring skis so i'm like we skin way up probably five miles up this big drainage and there's i don't know last year there was six to ten feet of snow and just avalanche danger all over <sighs> and and then, and then you got to climb about 4,000 vertical feet. Um, and yeah, it's, Oh, you guys are going for it. We're yeah, going for it. Yeah. So it's crazy. pretty wild. Yeah. You're using those. That's right. I, uh, the last time I ran into you was at the airport and I remember talking to you about the Altaya skis and oh, you yeah. had put a new binding on them that yeah. you thought was going to be burlier. Did that work out? But, uh, so they're, they're Altai Hawks and they're, they're a little, they're a short little touring ski basically. And they're like, like centimeters wise. I think they're like. 125 so so little guys like i don't know what that converts to probably like four feet tall maybe yep um 125s or 145s but i think yeah. i got the shorter ones yep. yeah so i got i got the shorter ones as well and uh they're awesome they they give you great flotation you can just kind of ski around anywhere but when you throw like a 70 to 80 pound pack on like you have so much weight up top that you get pretty like top heavy so like with those skis if i lean back at all like you know, my feet are totally coming out from underneath me and I'll like flip on my back and then it's really hard to get out of the snow. But, uh, <laughs> so if, if you're not, if you don't have a big pack on the, the Altai Hawks are great. And I think a lot of those kind of ski touring options are awesome. But, you know, if you're really doing like a big cross country travel type trip where you've got a big load, you know, either you pull a sled also. Yep. Um, or if you have a really heavy backpack, like you just need longer skis to, to handle the extra weight so okay yeah that makes sense but uh yeah i love those skis gosh you can just cruise country it's got to be the right snow conditions yeah. the right depth uh it's like anything sometimes you'll fight it if you got yeah. uh, uh water freezing to it if your skis are freezing <laughs> totally. if it gets around freezing temperature but they're a huge asset for the mountains for late season hunts for shed hunting yeah. for the whole deal you know so um, I love them. They leave a little bit to be desired as far as downhill control for me. They're right. not like putting on a pair of downhill skis. Yeah, I'm like, not like ripping powder turns and No, I wish I jumps, could but. because I, I love going uphill in the skis and getting a workout. And then I love like skiing down. Yeah. And you can ski in them down. They just use every muscle in your leg. It's yeah. not like being up at Big Sky Resort. No. I'll say that. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, how cool. Uh, yeah, shed hunting coming up. That's your big season that you do for yourself, right? It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. So I've, I've been a freelance photographer for the last like over four years now and I've, I do work a lot, but I, I still get a lot of times to hunt or shed hunt for myself. And so this, uh, last spring I shed hunted 25 days mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I, I bought a little a pop-up camper for my truck. So I just like been living out of that thing. And I saw that it's a better setup than you. You used to run a topper for a while and you had that yep. set up, um, uh, uh, pretty nice with the drawers and everything, but now you got this pop-up camper. You like that better? It's pretty rad. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, it's got solar panels on the top. It's got like a heater in it. It's got a stove top. It's got a big slide out bed that turns into a king bed. Oh, um, you so the, the brand that makes it, it's called four wheel campers and kind of their claim to fame is they make super duper light campers. So you can put them on like smaller trucks. So I've got a four cylinder Toyota Tacoma, um, that I put this camper on and the camper weighs like I think 700 pounds. Most campers weigh like double or triple that. And so I didn't really have to do much to the truck to allow it to handle that camper. And so, so yeah, so we're just rocking around in my little 
four banger. And you can live anywhere. Anywhere you go, much. you're living. And I got to find a semi flat spot. Yeah, so. exactly. And drive yeah, up exactly. on them. Right? Yeah, I've done that too. Uh, yeah, I love living out of the back of my truck like that. Just with the topper and me, it seems to work out good with my gear in there. But I sure like your setup. That setup pro where you. You almost, I mean, it's not quite a house, uh, but it is pretty uh, nice camping. You yeah. know, it uh, has a heater in it, probably. Yep, it's got a heater in it oh, as well. Wow. So. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, um, like, uh, not how much did you pay for, but how much did those things run to set up a topper like that, or just roughly? Um, so the camper that I got, it's I just went full bore because so much of my life I've like either mm-hmm. sleep, sleep in the back of my truck. So, so that one's pretty pricey, but you can you can get into a decent pop up camper for like three thousand dollars pretty mm-hmm. easily. So, which in my opinion is worth it, and like. For me, what I ended up doing, it's like I would drive somewhere to either hunt or shed hunt, and I would just do day trips because after a while, I was so uncomfortable sleeping underneath my topper. Or you'd do it like one A, but you'd never go for like a long extended like trip. And now, but with having this camper, it's like I can go anywhere. I can hunt super hard all day. I can come back, like make a real meal, like stand up. Like the thing when you pop it up, it's it's you can be six foot four and not touch the ceiling. Um, and then it's got like a memory foam bed. So just like, you're super comfortable. And like, I think comfort is everything in hunting, especially. And if you can be comfortable, you're going to spot more game. You're going to be more mentally into it. Um, so now it's like, I can go out for a week at a time and like not even be tired. So, um, that's kind of the, that's one justification of like having a more plush sleep setup is that you're going to it's probably going to allow you to spend more time out there. Yeah. Well, and you've structured your life where you give yourself good yeah. time to go <laughs> shed hunt. And, um, yeah, how nice to have like a, like a good base camp, like you say, where you can get a good meal, get a good night's rest. Um, you know, there's a reason the military uses sleep deprivation as a form of torture. And when yeah. you're hunting, like it's easy to be sleep deprived, especially oh, yeah. at <laughs> elevation or pushing hard miles, or sometimes you're so tired that you can't sleep, which is horrible too, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, to have everything there in comfort, it just seems like, um, when I get a good night's rest, I recover the next day. I feel fresh. I'm ready to charge the mountain. I'm ready to charge the day. But if I don't sleep or, you know, windy conditions, blowing my tent around, whatever the case is, you just don't wake up with that same go in you, you know, so totally. it's so important. Totally. Yeah. How cool. Um, so yeah, you're looking forward to shed season, man. You've been killing it lately, traveling around to different mountain ranges and trying sheds. Is there? Nope. I don't think so. <laughs> Prove me otherwise. Anybody. <laughs> oh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's, it's tough to get around that time of year. Do you end up using your skis quite a bit? I have a couple times, yep. but like, honestly, I just, the, the terrain and what you're going through or across varies so much. It does. And with, with those skis, it's like, you really got to have very consistent conditions mm-hmm. wherever you're going or just use them as like a way to access certain country. And then once you get there, then you, whatever changes. No, I mostly just doing like boots and snowshoes. Okay. Just, yeah. yeah. And I mean, half the time you end up in some crazy thick forest and you're like crawling over logs and, um, finding antlers in very strange places. And it's like, well, the only way you can get in there is if you got like full on like snowshoes and ice axe or a saddle and so you end up you know putting your skis on your back and on your feet a bunch but i i use them quite a bit around here just because there's a lot of property that you gotta like work around and so you gotta be way up high on the hill higher than you want to to then access the country that's holding the shed so i use them quite a bit but i use them exactly like you described to like access country and then once they're off you're just hiking those things um have some good bowls around here it sure is a fun season and like once you get a a set of sheds you're not done you get to keep hiking i love the it's and all day long 
you get to hike all day long. It's not morning, evening specific. It's, um, you know, you just keep looking around. So it is such an enjoyable season. Yeah. Yeah. Shed hunting. I mean, if, if you're really into, into hunting or you're really trying to target a specific animal or like just learn new areas, like shed hunting, like you say, it's, it's all day long. You're hiking from sun up to sundown and you're just like constantly learning and like taking in little bits of information. And there's been a handful of animals that I've killed now, either with my bow or rifle that I've the only reason that I was actually hunting in those, those zones was because of shed hunting and what I learned through shed season. So it's, uh, for me, and again, my lifestyle kind of allows me to take the time to spend 25 days shed hunting, but it's like, it will be really well to like fall hunting season. So me too. A lot of what I've learned has been during shed season. Yeah. Yeah, It's just more experience and it's learning. Um, it's learning elk. It's learning where they like to feed and where they like to bed and where they like to transit through. And sometimes, like you say, it's crazy where those bulls will end up in that deep snow and that timber and stuff. You know, they, they can live way up high, but I'm the same way. I've lot, I've learned a lot from, uh, um, shed hunting elk. It just teaches you so much about the species. Um, teaches you toughness too. Like, uh, usually cold conditions, winter conditions. Sometimes you feel like you're on Everest, but, (laughs) and, and then you're just, um, you know, you're going all day long. So you're putting on big, long days, big yeah. miles. So I think that's good for a guy too, especially coming out of winter and oh, yeah. after the holidays. <laughs> I actually laughed. That's pretty, I had some big days. Yeah, that's in, going yeah. for it for yeah. sure. I've done that with my bear seasons too oh, yeah. and nice. tracked them like that. So yeah, that is a bunch of miles yeah. for that many days. Yeah, good on you. But it's fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's so fun. Well, and it's not easy miles too. We're talking about the no. snow drifts and the snow. The snow... Like I just got done, I hunted uh, 11 days for late season muleys to just a, a state away. And, um, you know, there was during the rut, but it's big, huge mountains, deep snow, big wildernesses. And I just wear myself ragged in there. In the early season, I'd be able to cruise all of that. But now you stick a foot to two feet of snow everywhere. Getting a rat, I am just exhausted at the end of the day, just trying to get to the mule deer, keep up with them or move through there. It was a, a really challenging hunt, but that snow... It makes it twice or three times the exertion of like a normal dry <laughs> mile, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you find that in other countries too? Like it seems like some places you go, you can really cover country. Montana is one of them. Montana, yep. you can cover country, you know, when it's dry. That you got to like, you could, you could jump off it or you got to walk a quarter mile around just to like get, yeah, get places. So it's, yeah, every place is different. And like, you know, if you think, if you think something's like, oh, it's going to take me like, an hour to get to that point, like double it. Always like double the <laughs> amount of time you think it's going to take. That's Even so if you're true. in great shape, like, um, yeah, the terrain dictates everything. That's so. so true. Yeah, it sure does. Um, have a good hunt down there in Arizona. Yeah. Super fun. Super yeah. fun. So that was my, that was my third year going down like hunting for myself. Um, basically hunted the, basically the same exact spot. Uh, my first year down there, like I, I, I looked, I spent four days and even find a deer. And then after my fourth day, I started kind of honing in on areas that had deer. Um, last year we went down a uh, pretty good uh, group of four of us and we actually shot a, a film project on it. And I love the film project again. What was it again for Onyx? Uh, it's called Anyone's Hunt. Anyone's Hunt. It was a great one. That buck at the end. I'd oh, still, I'll never forget that thing. Yeah. What a stud of a buck. <laughs> it had to be fun to chase him, but Super go ahead, fun. continue. Oh, no, you're good. And uh, So, yeah, so so last year we went down and shot this film series called Anyone's Hunt. And the kind of the, the concept of the series, and we, we've shot a handful uh, more now, but uh, it's basically trying to expose and, um, you know, basically, yeah, expose hunting opportunities that are available to anyone and show people how to do these hunts, how much fun they can uh, be, kind of 
provide people like a logistical breakdown of like how you do these. We're not giving away like all the secrets by any means, but it's just like, here's a cool over-the-counter archery opportunity in Arizona for mule deer. Um, and then we just go do the hunt and we show people how to do it. And um, yeah, last year was super tough. I and mean, when we hunted eight days, we saw a pile of deer. I think we, I think at the end of the, the 10 days, we, we saw like almost 300 deer, but we saw like two shooter bucks, well, two like 120 class, like mule deer bucks up until day eight. And then on the evening of day eight, we found one that I don't know how big he is. I'm I think super we're all, giant. Whatever yeah, like, he is, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Like 180 to, to 190 probably like huge deer or maybe even a touch more that maybe I, yeah deer, you would but, know better than i would but, but yeah <laughs> no just a great one on in anybody's book yeah and so we hunted that thing super hard for two days and got got really close and like you know going to a different place and having an opportunity to even like see an animal like mm -hmm. that is pretty rad um so so anyway we shot shot this video series turned out super well nobody shot an animal last year but like that's okay like we had a great experience and like we learned a ton and so I went down there again this year. Um, I had a friend come with me. He was just shooting photos of me, actually. But uh, Boy, that's a change. I know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I was just like... I bet you got some great content. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to pack a camera, which is awesome. So yeah. I, I actually had my iPhone. I, I had to shoot some Instagram story stuff for a brand. So I was an iPhoneographer on this trip. So Okay. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we hunted the same, kind of the same zone and kind of took what we learned the last two years and applied it to this year. And... Um, we saw a mature buck every single day. Oh, wow. Good which is for pretty you cool. Yeah. yeah. So like a 160 plus buck every single day. I think nothing huge. I mean, for Montana, like those were all a huge deer, mm -hmm. but like, I think the biggest one we saw was probably 170. Mm -hmm. Um, a 160 or 170 on the head is a giant. Buck oh yeah. Too. Those get me excited. I mean, every hunt you kind of have different expectations, but that's a really good mature deer. Got to cut the distance and then, you know. If they aren't standing in the same spot where you last saw them, it's pretty dang tough to figure out where they went. But Oh, the degree of difficulty. I was so humbled this year. I've done really well on mule deer over the years, and I love hunting the species. Different habitats and um, different seasons. And, um, you know, I love all species I can hunt with my bow, but I have to say mule deer is one of my favorite. And so, you know, I kind of pride myself on, on uh, a good mule deer. And I love the early season game up in the high Alpen basins and uh, in the steep where you'd hunt sheep or goats or some of that stuff. But yeah, I was sure humbled this year. I, I hunted Colorado and then um, Wyoming. I hunted them back to back. Wyoming was the best hunt I've ever had. I got a stock every day on those giant deer that you're talking wow. stickers and kickers and 30 inches wide and just the buck of my dreams. And I had the whole place to myself. There was nobody else around for 10 days of snowstorms and rainstorms. And my buddy Dan killed his best buck to date, just this giant big back fork buck. It was a, just a beauty. And like I've got a picture of him and just pop belly and that hangs over just a really old deer I could not get it done I just could not catch a break I just um you know it's tougher they moved in secondary living but my point is is that it's just I hunted Wyoming back to back I had um 15 days there and then I hunted Montana with family and friends and for myself I did arrow a really nice late season buck which I was really proud of and that kind of broke the streak but then I went 11 12 days down in the other state for um late season and got blank down there. So I had about 40 days of mule deer hunting or 45 days of mule deer hunting and one buck to show for it. They are tough out there. You know, they, yeah, they totally. just had my number <laughs> this year. Um, 
and it's trying to make good on opportunities and do the best you can, but they're just switched on and um, wired. And, and I've always thought Montana public land bowls are some of the toughest to harvest and year after year. Now, you've done such a great job. You built your name by being a, a hunting photographer, but you hunt a lot yourself. Bulls, uh, you've done extremely well, like just uh, learning elk through shed season and through hunting season. And then, man, you've just arrowed some great bulls and, and you do it year after year. No, thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, hunting season for me. It's it's totally a 365 day pursuit. Like, like the day that rifle season ended in Montana, like the next day I was out scouting because I'm like, oh, all these elk are probably going to come out of hiding within the next week. So you'll actually be able to figure out like what was actually living in some of these basins because a lot of them become nocturnal. But like after hunting season, when the pressure just like ends, it's like, oh, okay. Now I can figure out what's actually in here. If I'm, if I'm actually going crazy or like if I'm crazy for actually hunting this spot or not. Um, so yeah, so all winter, I mean, I've been around the last little bit, um, you know, scouting for elk almost every day and just trying to figure it out. So, and then roll right into shed season, kind of figure out what's out there, um, learn lots of new spots and then summer scouting, obviously then it's fall hunting and <laughs> yeah. It's um never stops. You're so spot on, Steve. It is. It's a it's a lifestyle. It and you have to live it. You know, 365. You're always thinking about it. You're always doing it, planning for it. But yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, hunting season doesn't even end, and I'm already out on the trails running, or yeah. I'm out. You know, like you say, looking at winter range elk for potential for next year. Yeah. Um, it is a lifestyle. But when you fall in love with it, it just doesn't feel like work or effort. It's what yeah. I love to do, and I love the process, and I know you do too. And and I was just talking about that like on another podcast is just um, just loving the process and wanting to get better at it. Like That's the key to everything in life, your photography, your hunting. It's just been immersing yourself in that and learning as much as you can, being interested in it. Yeah. You get better at it over time, and pretty soon you know, you, you build a pretty sweet life for yourself. Totally. Yeah. I mean, with hunting, with business, with whatever, things just take time and mm -hmm. like you can't ever expect, expect instant results. And, uh, from a photography standpoint, like if you're just getting into it, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I think the expectation that you're just going to like tomorrow, like make a living at it. Like, I think that's kind of crazy. Same with hunting. It's like, I've yet to kill a deer in Arizona. I've put 30 days into it, but it's like, every time I go down there, I'm always learning something and picking up on things. And like this year I was at full draw 20 yards on one for a minute and a half. He was right behind a bush. And I was like, to me, that was like a big success. Mm -hmm. It's like, holy crap, like so close. So absolutely, go back next year. But uh, yeah, it's all in the process for sure. And I, I don't know, everybody defines success differently. Um, for me, it totally is the process. It's oh, like, yeah, you, know, you have to enjoy the journey yeah. and the adventure of it. And if you don't, like if you only enjoy it, enjoy it, if you kill a big animal, yeah. that's one day out of how many, like you right. say, you've gone 30 in Arizona and haven't been over an animal, but you, you love the adventure, the experience, yeah. the hunt, the getting close excitement, the thrill, man, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, super steep learning curves are rather addicting. So <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah. Well, uh, and Speak got this great idea. I think this. Um, so you're you're putting on a film school for guys uh, to be a hunting photographer is really tough, and it's not just about shooting good photos. Like I'm sure that's a big portion of it. But now you're doing this film school. I think it's such a great idea, Steve, to offer this mentorship for guys that that want to be hunting photographers and build a life out of it. And so you talk about the journey, and I've had the same thing. It's been 10, 15 years of building contacts and then, um, 
you know, building my skills as far as writing and filming, photography, you know, uh, speaking now with the pod. Just build these over time. You're able to build this this life for yourself, whether that's hunting or hunting photography. But man, I think it's so great what you're putting on with this with this uh, photography school. What do you, what do you call it exactly? Yeah, so um, it's called the Hunting Photographer, and it's an online course and mentorship. Um, it's a paid platform. We also have a podcast. Uh, with it as well. But again, it's called The Hunting Photographer and um, it's there's 40 online um, video courses and then you get direct access to both myself and then my partner in this venture, uh, Zach Bouton. Oh, he's a great photographer. Yeah, really great photographer. Um, him and I come from, uh, you know, we found our success in very different ways. And so it's kind of cool to pool all of our knowledge and kind of uh, put it all into this one platform. And uh, the cool thing with this, to me, I think the cool thing with this uh, program is well, a couple things. First off, there's really no great resource for being a photographer, especially in the hunting industry. Like there's, there's definitely some stuff out there for being a photographer in other places. But um, uh, the other thing is that you get a direct line of communication with both Zach and I. So it's, it's, again, it's a mentorship as well. Um, and Zach and I have, you know, between us, we've probably got 20 to 25 years together of like, um, you know, building our own businesses, pitching brands, you know, basically being professional photographers and uh so yeah so we're a totally open book with all the students you know a lot of people have a variety of questions some people might age of just kind of figuring out their cameras a lot of other people are going to be at various stages of like building their own business you know it's like okay how do i build my business or like how do i like build connections and uh, relationships with with new brands how do i pitch brands um etc and so that's that's kind of what the, the course um is is mainly focused on is like getting people that are savvy with their camera right now and trying to make a living with their camera and trying to maybe have a lifestyle that like Zach and I have. So, so we really dive into the business side of things, um, pretty deep and, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun program for sure. We've had, I think 40 students take the class so far. And I mean, at least half of them are like, they're doing it. Like they're pitching brands, they're making money. I mean, one kid that's, that's taking the course, he just spent like 90 days up at a hunting outfit in British Columbia and like he's like doing the thing so it's super cool to see it's rewarding for both Zach and I we, we really enjoy helping people and um and there's there's opportunities in the hunting space for sure to to take a camera and make cool things and um especially in this digital era I mean you know social media is pretty new but like the value of imagery for all these brands is just enormous so that's so been a, it's man been a fun what a great idea yeah um Gosh, that is so neat, Steve. Yeah, it just gives people a pathway to get to where they, and just the knowledge to know how to do it. They still got to put in all the hard work. They still got to build their skill, but it just gives them, it gives them a pathway to be able to create it. I think it's one of the things that's so great about today's day and age. You know, there's definitely good and bad with the internet and social media and things, but part of the good is that, you know, the self-promotion, that you can build something out of nothing. You totally. don't have to have... Um, you know, you don't have to get on network TV anymore or yeah. on standard radio in today's day and age with the podcasts, with social media, you can build your own brand, you know, and, and yep. build your own name. It's just great that you guys and help give them the right information to get to where they want to go. And that half of them are getting paid for, for photographing right now. You know, that's a testament to the course for sure. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. It, it's really cool to see. And it's, uh, one thing, especially in like big game hunting, it's it's not really a community type environment. 
um, it, it, it's not like waterfowl hunting where it's like, if you go on a waterfowl hunt, it's like you're, you're going with a bunch of people. Um, it's this big like social camaraderie thing. And so it, with big game hunting, and this, this obviously crosses over into uh, the hunting photographer side of things, but it, it's really, it's just really fun to build community um, with that. And so we've, yeah, I mean, again, with these 40 students and everybody that's kind of um, jumped on board and been a supporter of the hunting photog, like we've kind of built this sweet community and, and everybody's an open book and we're all trying to help out each other. And uh, yeah. And I think the number one thing that you can do your own business is it's all about networking. It's who, you know, it's building a really strong network and like the hunting photographer networking itself has become pretty strong. And so, you know, I think a lot of these people that um, whether you're on the fence or if you purchase um, and, and join with uh, the hunting photographer, like, instantly you get you get you know you buy into this really amazing network of people that are everybody's you know there to help you out so that's been a Man, it's been a cool thing i didn't it didn't necessarily see that like um uh coming into it until mm -hmm. we created it basically so that's been, been really fun uh that is so cool i just, i relate that to like this podcast community you yeah. know i started this podcast in this house down in my basement right. talking into a microphone and the the following you know, and mine isn't, you know, exactly like yours to make it in the hunting industry, but just to enjoy life and have passion for life. And then just all the, the blue collar adventures out. We have so many adventures right around us. You yeah. know, we talk about traveling to different countries and stuff, which I'm really interested in. But right around here, there's so much great adventure in the West, just like your hunt in Arizona and things. And so, you know, through sharing that, my excitement for it, like we just built this great community of hunters and there's guys reaching out all the time that, that are willing to share information with me or help me out. They hear something on the podcast and they're all, hey, you know, I, I remember I went down to Arizona and I had uh, uh, now one of my good friends, Miguel, lived down there. And I remember um, he was trying to reach me through Facebook and said, hey, I see you're down in this area. We should connect. And, you know, instantly, you know. It's not the right attitude to have, but the, the, there's almost, it's not a, a jealousy, but it's like a protection of spots right. where it's almost like, gosh, is he trying to figure out my, my spots <laughs> yeah. down here where I'm hunting? Like, gosh, I've taken years to learn what I got down here. But I, I met with Miguel and we had dinner. And that was, Miguel knows more about hunting coos deer than I could ever dream of. Right. He doesn't want my little shitty spots. Like, <laughs> he's got really good spots. He wanted to meet me to help, to, yeah, like, help show cool. me country, to help show me spots, to help me be successful and share his knowledge down there, you know? And so, like, I have learned so much from that guy. And it's just like you say, that community, like yeah. building a community. And when you help other guys out there, you know, guys are willing to help you or send you a line or pitch your name in a meeting or whatever that case is, but yeah. you're right. Community is so important. Um, that's really cool that you guys are building that through this photography course. And it's, it's wild our path in life, isn't it? Because we don't see things coming. Like I'm sure you never saw this photography course, but just as you know, technology progresses and then you've built such a great brand for yourself and figured it out. Now all of a sudden you want to share it with other people. And same with me. I never saw the, the podcast coming. Of course there wasn't podcast, right, but yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden you just plant the seed and get started, be able to, to figure it out or um, really able to add to the community or to, to people's entertainment or listening value. And so, man, that's really cool. I'm really happy for you guys. Zach's a heck of a guy too. Thanks dude. Yeah, I know. We appreciate that. Yeah. I've just been getting, inundated on Instagram primarily with just so many questions on like, how did you become a photographer? Like, you know, I'm at this stage of my business. Like, what should I do here? Or like, how do I, what camera gear do you use? Like a whole variety of questions. I still get probably 10 questions like that a day. 
And Zilahim and I are like, oh, like we should create a course. It's like, duh. <laughs> so yeah, it's been been super cool to 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 build that. And um, yeah, we spent like a month just like filming in my house, going through all these different episodes, and uh, it was quite a tedious process, but uh, it's been fun. Yeah, it's such value to it too that you guys are offering. Um, I know through those Western hunting summits that Lampers put on, uh, we're doing three of them this year. But just the mentorship alone, it just cuts the learning curve so yep. much. You know, you don't have to learn the hard way like you had to learn or I had to learn. You know, making a lot of mistakes along the way, you just get more of a clear path. And everybody's path is a little bit different, I think. But to give them the skills or the knowledge, just to know what the next step is in their business or yeah. their brand, man, I think that's just great. Um, how long have you guys been doing it now? So we built it last spring and then we launched it in probably May, I think. Okay. So, so it's, I mean, it's, it's relatively new, but again, we've had probably 40 students take it already. And, um, we usually limit the amount of spots. We, we don't, cause, cause again, there's a mentorship deal here. So it's like, we can't just like open the floodgates cause yep. I just don't have time to commit 500 hours to 500 <laughs> students. I mean, I wish we could get 500 uh, students, but, uh, you also have to make a living to taking photographs. I know, too. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a balance with everything. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we started it probably nine months ago and, um, cool. Um, no, it's just a great idea. I can see why it's doing so well. So yeah, no, I think it'll continue to grow. Um, well, and it's good that you're getting time for your, your photographing and, and going like you've built some really good connections over the years with really good guys. We talked a little bit about that goat hunt, but how much of going on these cool hunts is just building these relationships with these alpha personalities. Like, um, you're just fun to be around and fun to hang out with and have a really good personality, but that has to be like a, a big part of getting hired on these is just being able to be in the physical fitness and then yep. a good guy to be around and adds to the adventure. And then I'm sure you get invited on the next one. Totally. So yeah, it's like, you know, the, the first trip you might do with somebody, it's like, that's kind of like the testing moment where that person's probably like judging you a little bit and being like, Oh, like, I don't know if I actually wanted this guy on or not, but, but as soon as you prove your value, you know, it's like, Oh, you're not just a photographer. You're also a hunter. You're also like helping out on the hunt. You're fun to be around. You're keeping my morale up. Um, and so it's, that's the way that I always view it. Anytime I'm photographing really anything, it's like, no, I'm, I'm a value add beyond just being a photographer. Um, and that's super crucial for me. And, you know, cause like once you have a really great trip with somebody, like they will always invite you back and like, you've, you've kind of got that, you know, resource or, or, you know, opportunity to photograph that person for pro probably forever. So yeah, so that, that's been huge. Absolutely. Well, in living a life that way, as you talk about helping out on the hunt, so it, it's just a way of life and a way you come here, I can't but, help it. But, but it is just like a like a personality trait that you almost develop over time, isn't it? Where yeah. you're just always chipping in, always helping, you know, wherever they, they need a helping hand or anybody needs a helping hand for that matter. You're yeah. just chipping in. But how much of that is just like developed personality, right? It's it's easy just to sit and take a break, but you just start chipping in and pretty soon that's who you are. Yeah, totally. And like no one wants, like I've spent a lot of time with horses and then they're, they're like so stoked and it's just like, it creates, you know, the morale the, the whole team is better. I think the hunt ends up probably being more successful from a, mm -hmm. fr from all aspects. You know, we might even have an opportunity in an animal because like the morale of the whole team has just been lifted because everybody is pitching in. And that's just, that's, that's a great space to be in work and in life. You know, mm -hmm. if you're a boring guy, like nobody wants to probably hang out with you. So <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. But, yeah. Huh, that's so cool. Um, so can you talk about any of the hunts you have coming up? Do you have some cool ones booked for this year? Yeah, you know, so right now with um, 
I mean, me personally, I'm doing probably, I want to do 30 days of shed hunting this spring. So for you. <laughs> All right. that, that's my own personal deal, but, uh, you're going to find some good sheds. I hope so. Gosh, yeah. 25 last year. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I'll do that. And then, uh, we might do another winter mountain goat hunt here in like a month. Um, we've got a, Kind of the, the the kind of the goal is you know when you're photographing or videoing hunts is like okay how do you take how do you tell a hunt in a different way in like a new different way and it's like it's like okay we're gonna go on another elk hunt guy goes hunts and lots of highs and lows but it's like how is it any different than what we did last year the year before the year before that and so it's like you're always trying to find like new unique ways to either like access the country or like crazier ways to hunt it you know so it's like you know, you, you might do a rifle hunt, then the next year, like, oh, we're gonna do a bow hunt. Then like next year, it's like, you know, if you get one, you might do like a recurve hunt. So it's like, make it harder and harder and harder. Um, one thing we're trying to do is trying to, trying to like bridge the gap between non-hunters and hunters. And so we'll, kind of one of the concepts we have is like taking on a wild, crazy hunt and also bringing someone that's probably never hunted in their life before, just to like show them like the process and kind of expose them to that. And whether they hunt or not, I don't think that's kind of, that, that, that doesn't matter so much. It's more just to like show them like, Hey, like here's hunting. And so we've, we've got a few kind of film ideas around that idea, around that concept. Um, still trying to figure out kind of who that, who the people might be, but you know, it could just be average Joe guy off the street. that's maybe never hunted, or it could be some like famous celebrity, like whatever, you know? So it's, um, just because, you know, in hunting, especially there's, there's just, hunters understand it obviously but so many non-hunters just don't understand hunting and don't understand all they see is the kill photo at the end and they don't understand that there might have been 30 or 40 or 10 whatever however many days it went into that and uh it's like i reference this all the time but in 2011 i killed an elk in montana and i i hunted for 45 days before i finally killed him so it was like the kill wow. was 145th of the entire experience and so we want to like try to share more that idea mm -hmm. with kind of a greater audience and try to connect with people that that are open to it but maybe have never really quite understood hunting before so that that's kind of the that's that's like one theme of some kind of trips that we're trying to put together um this year so um you guys are, are pushing the envelope and uh i love it you guys are developing you know the story and and telling the story and getting better at it i love how you make it more difficult or a different way to access the country just a different way to tell that story yeah. and have it be unique and um gosh it takes years of doing it to to have that vision to be able to create it and now i've been filming for five years or so and when i first started you know i always thought like I, I go on the, the, the coolest adventures, you know, and boy, if I could just share that. But the first time you get up there with the camera, you just don't get the right shots to be able to tell that story. Right. And yeah, <laughs> you had this great hunt and you have the kill shot and you put it all together and you're like, well, that's not really what had been down to a, a small film for right. 22 <laughs> minutes or to 11 minutes or whatever. But over time, you just get better at it and you get better at telling the story and seeing the shots and um, having a theme around it, you know. Yeah. And then for me... It's been getting better at, at telling the story myself or articulating, you know, my tactics that I'm using. And we, I just I had an antelope hunt that came out, you know, where we talk about where I talk about using a vehicle, you know, and, and finding vantage points and being able to cover more square miles. But it's not truck hunting, you right. know, yeah. it's Western hunting, covering a bunch of yeah. miles. So <laughs> I just um, it's being smart. <laughs> yeah. And when it's just through the years, you just get better at telling that story, knowing what shots to do. And then when it comes together, 
like now I finally think I'm portraying my hunts authentically or yeah. like I want to portray them cool. in the same excitement that I have and um, really comfortable with the camera. And you spend so many hours in front of it, you, you're just yourself, you know, and then it's able to come out on screen. So yeah. uh, it's a really cool process, isn't it? And it, it really taps into your artistic thinking or creative thinking, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. And uh for years like whatever you're always hunting elk and like on the ground that's how i primarily hunt elk i'm usually chasing bugles trying to cut bugles off or, or cut elk off and um like consistently like some of the biggest bulls i've ever come across like I, i've got trail cameras up kind of all over the place and like they hit water all the time like all september weird times of day like it's not just the first week so it's like this year i want to hunt an elk out of a tree stand and like fully commit to it <laughs> maybe shoot a, a film or something around that but uh again just like new tactics something i've never done i think i've spent like two days in a tree stand in my life um but i want to like take everything i know about elk hunting and like try to shoot one over probably a water hole out of a tree stand so it's really um, cool it's like um different different ways to do it like uh to challenge yourself like that is going to improve your overall skill set yeah. and as tree stand you think well okay um you know, it, I'm, I'm going to get a good opportunity, but it's such a chess game with a tree stand and sitting in one spot. And then how much, you know, the patience that you're going to have to, the, the discipline and patience. And then you're such a good Western hunter spotting and stalking. It's going to be tough for you to not want to get down out of the I tree know, like and right go there. hunt them. <laughs> yeah. But you're just going to have to keep playing the game and keep trying to put that stand in the right place and yep. try to outthink them and then hopefully get your opportunity. That's really cool. Yeah. So I've, yeah, and just over the years, I've built some really great connections kind of in the whitetail space. It's like, I don't know anything about tree stand hunting. Like, I know a lot about western hunting and hunting on the ground. So it's like I'm going to probably tap into some of my some of my friends that are really good tree stand hunters and just pick their brains as best I can and just try to figure it out. So it's, it's another, you know, we talked earlier about, earlier about community, but it's like, you know, utilizing that. So mm -hmm. in hunting, which is especially big game hunting, it's for years it's been such kind of a, a solo pursuit you know it's weird to have like a, a community built around that so it's cool to be able to tap into that yeah absolutely um yeah i know you know to have a good circle of friends i gain way more information during hunting season than yeah. i would just by myself keeping secrets and so i've just got these open lines of communication where my good friends always know where i'm hunting or what unit or yeah. you know where i'm at and then to share information with them you know, like you just take just take one of your good buddies on a hunt and you split up every day. But sharing that information, you get uh, uh, so much more knowledge uh, yeah. of the, the 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 unit. And sometimes I'll come back and I didn't see an elk and I didn't hear one bugle, but my buddy really got into him. And so now the next day we're going to go to where he was and yeah. split up in there. And um, it just seems like what you put out in the world returns to you. And when you um, you. <laughs> You can't just look out for your own success in life. You have to be happy for your family and your friends, and you have to want them to be successful. Totally. Happy for your followers, you know, to for them to be successful. But once you kind of change that switch in your mind from being jealous or wanting to always harvest the biggest, instead is like, I, I want to... I want to enjoy my time yeah. with my family and friends and I want to enhance their experience. I want them to be more successful because they hang out with me. And I... Um, you know, so I, I think I get more fulfillment out of that as I finally, you know, 
you know, at the last 10 years, I've just relaxed a little bit yeah. and just like, um, I re like we talked about earlier, coming back to enjoying the process and the journey, you have to enjoy doing it yeah. or otherwise, what's the point if you're just <laughs> doing it for this end trophy or something like then, then you're not getting the enjoyment out of life you need to. So how cool, man. Totally, totally. And along the lines of like the hunting photographer, I mean, we got kind of got some, some pushback from other photographers in the industry when we first created the course because they were worried like, Oh, like you're giving away all the secrets and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, I'm at the, at a point now. And like, as we, you were just talking, it's like, like I, I've, I get a lot of fulfillment out of putting value out into the world. And like the more value you put out into the world, like the more value that you get in return. Yeah. You're so right. And, and, and like my, my goal isn't to like get more value out from the world. I just enjoy putting it out and like things just go better. If, if you're, if you're, you know, closed off and you don't, you know, open up a little bit, like, you know, you, you'll, you just won't grow very much and kind of whatever you do. And so that's exactly yeah. it. Well, and I always feel like, um, I'll share, you know, anything about hunting, any information I gain, anything on stalking, on shooting terrain, whatever it is, you know, to the same places to hunt. But I always feel like I love the game so much that I'm always progressing as well. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, so I'm always learning and getting better and progressing and finding different tactics. So, like, it, it just doesn't seem to affect me, you yeah. know. Other people's success doesn't affect my success. There's still the no. same amount of animals out there, <laughs> you know, and there's that opportunity still out there. And, the, you know, the in the end, you have to put forth the effort. Like whether that's photography, whether that life or your business, the hard work or the effort has to be put in or you'll never get to where you want to go. And so I'm like, I'll, I'll share anything with the guys that want to work hard and put in the effort and put in the hard work to be successful. Like I'll share anything with those guys, you know, if they're out grinding, um, season in front of you, um, that's going to be fun. Have you, uh, do you shed hunt deer much? Uh, not specifically so much, um. It's more, mainly I'm after elk for sure, yeah. but definitely you, you love some. elk and the species, don't you? Even yeah. though you were hunting deer in Arizona, like uh, <laughs> you've been such an elk guy for so yeah. many years. I'm the same way shed hunting. I love finding those big, heavy 10 to 15 pound elk oh, yeah. antler. It's just such your muleys in some of those winter range habitats. You know, I don't think Montana's quite the state for it, but right. we have some big ones that winter like out of the bob and things, oh, yeah. um, you know, in a few different places. But it'd be fun to travel to some of these other states and just take a couple trips and try to find some of those big, heavy yeah. mule deer, <laughs> you know, those those big sets. Yeah. Yeah. So Montana, it, there's a lot of elk in Montana and some pretty good ones for sure. But like Montana is not necessarily known as a mule deer state, but there are big mule deer here. They're, they're just very, very hard to find. Yes. And, uh, so like I, anymore, and maybe this sounds cocky, but like, I, I expect to find big elk every year, whether it's their sheds or just like find them on the hoof. Like, like I know that they're out there. So it's like, it's just a matter of finding them, but like mule deer, it's like, you might be chasing something that doesn't even exist. It's mm -hmm. so like, if I do see a big mule deer, like I get so excited in Montana anyway. And then, uh, uh we actually found a couple pretty big mule deer, um, antlers as well. And which again has resulted in me hunting those areas. And I mean, biggest mule deer I've ever shot in Montana was again, a result of shed hunting and finding, you know, a bunch of like 150 to 160 class, um, sheds in a spot. And I was like, wow, this area has potential for a much larger buck. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you put two and two together and go there and hunt it during the right time. And you never know what might come out of the woodwork. So.
Yeah, that was a great buck. A couple years ago, right? Yep. You, yep. That was a great buck. Yeah, um, you're right. The opportunity is here. We have the genetics of, of really good mule deer. Yeah. You know, our problem is the uh, the general season during the rut is right. the Achilles heel of the mule deer. Otherwise, I think our state would have more big mule deer than any place <laughs> yeah. on planet Earth, you yeah. know, because our population is good. Our genetics are, is good. And there's still good opportunity out there, even in some of the most popular hunting spots with general rights. I can still backpack into those areas and I still see really good deer in Montana and chase really good deer in Montana. You know, my quest, everybody's an individual, everybody has their own quest and mine's always been with a bow and arrow. And so I hunt that rut, but it's general rifle season yeah. with my bow. <laughs> You're crazy. And so like to kill one of those next level deer, mm -hmm. like it's for me, it's a you know, 10 year quest, but I've killed some really nice ones along the way. And ones that I'm really happy with, including the one this year, you know, a really good buck, but Montana has some great deer hunting. It's, um, again, it's just working at it and trying to figure out those areas like you did shed season and had that good area that you thought you could turn in and, uh, turn up some good bucks or it had potential. And then, you know, you turned up that really nice one and able to close the deal on them with grandpa's rifle too, right? Yep. Yeah. You got okay. a good memory. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember you stating that or talking about it. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I um, yeah, I still remember that buck. Some of the pictures you took by the fire yep. is the ones I remember. Yeah, he's just, I mean, just a great mainframe four point. But like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think in the course of like two days on that hunt, I think I saw like almost forty different bucks. Oh, you were into him. I was into oh, I was into him like crazy. I was pretty wild. And that's that one. fun when it's like yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's fun. my funnest part about bow hunting is I love like the action when yeah. you get into them and it, you know, I don't have to be trying to kill every buck, but just that little thrill of excitement you get through the scope when you glass another one up. Oh, what is he? Boy, he's got a big body or whatever the case yeah. is. But I just love that getting into him. It sounds like that was a heck of a hunt. Um, did you go back in there last year? You know, I've been in a couple times and I, I, I've picked another shed. I picked like a single side of a shed that probably went if he was matched or same on the other side obviously probably 170 set so i'm like i know there's more animals in there but i just can't turn one up yet so mm -hmm. so i might be chasing a ghost don't really know but keep going back so <laughs> well you keep putting pieces to the puzzle together yep. and eventually you solve it and turn up that good buck and then yep. close the deal on them you know so uh yeah it's the hunting lifestyle is just continuing to learn and get better i don't think you ever I don't think you ever stop learning. I think that's oh, yeah. the fun part about it, you know? Yeah. No, like I said, it's a 365-day process. I mean, like last night I was up till like 2 in the morning texting with my one of my good friends that um, him and I have a totally open book on everything with, with hunting and shed hunting, and we're just trying to figure it out together. And, like, we're, like, on Google Earth and on X, just like, what about what do you think about this spot? What do you think about this spot? And so it's like we lay out all these potential spots that we maybe go – you know, check out in the spring or check out in the summer. And, you know, it's just such a cyclical process that, um, yeah, it's just what we do, I guess. So, <laughs> so fun. And I enjoy, I, I enjoy every portion of it too. Like, well, you know, right now we're coming into tag season as yep. far as hunting and applying for tags. I love this lotto chance. And before I put in for any tag, I'm researching on it, looking at the mountain ranges and you can't help but kind of start to plan the hunt. And gosh, yeah. Like, gosh, wouldn't it be neat if I could draw this tag right. or that tag? And you start applying across the West. But they, it's, um, yeah, it's a year-long process that you just kind of fall in love with the lifestyle. And so every portion of it, whether that's the training or the research or the they're doing it, you yeah. know, it's it's fun throughout the year. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny. When, when the hunt actually starts, you're almost on autopilot. You're just hunting. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so much that goes into, like, the prep for the hunt. And, like, I mean, first you got to get a tag. Then you got to do all your, like, digital scouting. Then maybe you to- go take a scouting trip to that area. Then you, like, pack all your gear. And there's just, like, you're constantly micro-tuning. Like, you know, I, you and I are kind of the same in that we're, like, we're always, like, testing gear and stuff and, like, kind of making mental notes of like every time we're out, like, Oh, this didn't work. Why didn't that work? And, um, I just, I love that process. I mean, I, my whole house is a just giant gear explosion as a result of my lifestyle, I think. But, uh, um, yeah, again, just, it's just a, a full on lifestyle and, and a process and like, you know, anyone who commits time to anything, like that's where you're going to find success in it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate that I do have a lot of time, but it's, it's a lifestyle that I, you know intentionally created to, mm-hmm. to have this time so how nice is it when you get all the kinks worked out in your gear and you really have a good working system for the climate you're facing and yeah. the terrain you're facing when you just have it going and it is such a fine tune uh fine tuning process you know like every place you hunt is different like going down to arizona i'll be leaving here in a few days but i remember my first trip down there i thought well it's going to be warm i'll bring these lightweight pants down there and yeah. i'll and then that that brush down there with those barbed uh i you know i should know the plants better i'll get i'll refamiliarize myself as i get down there but gosh everything's poking and grabbing at you and all my legs were scarred and i remember coming back like uh <laughs> having to uh uh you know i still had thorns that were stuck in my shin bones and things so you kind of work out your system and you go okay a little bit heavier pants next year yeah. and i think I'll, I'll wear some gaiters and then you start to figure out your system but it's like that with every place you hunt but boy when you get that gear fine-tuned it just seems like you're firing off all cylinders you know and yeah you, it's sweet to hit the ground running yes yeah. absolutely yeah it is a process though working that out um yeah that's really cool like you say 365 day pursuit yeah absolutely yeah well i'm excited to see what you turn up i love your images your social media um really pumped to see how your film school does it sounds like you guys are doing really good things um Man, I just couldn't be happier. Thanks for running down to the Madisons today, recording a podcast. Yeah, dude, no problem. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll come back next year. We'll do another one. Man, awesome. Yeah, and I don't mind running there either. Um, yeah, but it sure is nice you came down today. I love these live podcasts, and um, yeah, I just love catching up to you and um, getting some insight into your life and uh, some of the adventures you're going on. Man, it's so cool for me. Cool. Well, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yep. All right. Good going, man. That was awesome. Sweet. All right. That's a wrap. Um, sorry about my puppy in the recording there. Gosh, you know, he's usually so good. He just lays down and, and minds his own. But boy, you get somebody new in the house and wants to come up and say hi and get petted a little bit, uh, which is fine until you you hit record. You're trying to record the podcast, but um, always a challenge. Uh, just want to thank Steve for coming down. Um yeah, I love doing those live recordings. Those are really fun ones. Steve's just a great guy and uh, shares so much information. Uh, such a great photographer, great hunter. And I, I love hearing about those wild adventures he goes on. Um, just crazy, the logistics that go into it uh, to put one of those things together. So great episode. Thanks to Steve for driving down, for taking the time and, and uh, getting a recording with me. So 
Appreciate that. I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Sig Sauer Optics. Like I say, so impressed with what they're doing with their optics. Just the the clarity, the crispness, color fidelity. It's just amazing through their their optics. That brand new scope, that Oscar 8, 27 to 55 by 80 millimeter. Um, we joke that it's eye of God. You know, I don't know. If that's quite the, that's what we call it around my circle of friends. But that thing, you just see so well from great distances. Um, what a great scope. Um, that and uh, I love their binoculars. They've got those new range finding binoculars. Range finders are the best in the business. And then make sure to check out those that BDX system with their rifle scopes that'll connect to their rifle scopes, the range finder, and your phone on an app. And it'll calculate the hold and um, you know exactly where to put the crosshairs. It's a really cool system. So if you're in the market for a new scope, make sure to look into it. And thanks to Sig Sauer for their support. I also want to thank Taito Knives. Uh, Taito Knives has been with us for a while now. Um, they've been a, a steady supporter. Um, man, I just love their products. I can butcher an entire elk with one knife and a few blades. It's And usually one blade will get me all the way through a deer. Skin the thing, bone it, uh, or quarter it, bone it, uh, take the tenderloins, back straps, rib meat, neck meat, and then take the head off. I can usually do that all with one blade. Now, elk is a little bit different story. They have such a thick hide and really wear down a knife, so usually takes me at least a couple blades, if not three, to do an elk, but uh, just amazing. It's so lightweight, and then it works so well. It's it's so scalpel sharp that you know you can just use that edge and don't have to force anything. Um, just absolutely love them. Great company. And uh, if you're in the market for a new knife, make sure to check them out. Uh, over there at Eastman's, check out the Beyond the Grid Internet TV show, uh, the Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel, um, the podcast. Um, Man, what else? Oh, the magazines. Uh, yeah, so that, that promo code, I'm pretty sure it'll still work. $29.99 for both magazines. Elevated 319. Um, punch that in the box. And if if you don't get it, uh, if something goes wrong, just make sure to contact Eastman's and they'll uh, hold up that offer, that $29.99 for both magazines. And I'm going to get a new promo code here shortly, so we'll get that out to you guys. Man, just so... Um, so humbled by all the support. I sure appreciate it, guys. All the reposts and, um, gosh, all the the positive reviews and then just the downloads on the podcast. Uh, it's just a, it's a great thing and allows me to just keep getting the, the best guests in the industry and bringing you guys the best content. Um, so, so thanks. It means the absolute world to me. And you guys are, you guys are the reason why this podcast survives. Without you, I have nothing. So, uh, thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. And, um, with that, that's a wrap. That's the episode. So I'll get another one ready here for next week. We'll head to that expo here shortly. Got some good ones coming up there and uh, should be good to go. So yeah, check in with you guys soon.